You know when you're out with your friends and they all order beer and then you look insane when you don't want any beer? I mean, no offense to any of my friends out there, but I'm not a crazy obsessed beer drinker. I mean, once in a while, but I don't really love it. But I did recently try Bud Light Seltzer. It's not beer. It's a hard seltzer from Bud Light. Finally, there's something I can drink when everyone else is having a beer. Bud Light Seltzer's 5% alcohol, 100 calories, and it comes in four flavors. There's strawberry, lemon lime, mango, and my go-to black cherry. They're all super refreshing and perfect when I want something with a little more kick than just sparkling water. You know what I'm saying? Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. something to say uh oh my I've already started my email <laughs> <laughs> I can mm-hmm. always tell when it's my turn to talk it's all you hear is look at Autumn's texting Jake is texting and you're sending an email it's just not right oh okay well but to be fair I text while Jill's talking too you do? All right. What yeah. the heck's matter? All right, go ahead, man. The local funeral home in my little town. Oh, this is a winner. <laughs> no, the local. Awesome. In my little town, they had us put on a supper, a free supper for people. To attract customers? Yes. Wow. No, well, it was very informative, but uh-huh. they said that I, and it's, it was for a state. I'd be so offended if you invited me to a dinner preparing for my death. You know what? At some point, you got you got to look at it. It was an estate planning seminar. Okay. And my brother got the email, uh, the note in the mail, and I said, let's go. Let's go. So my, let's go to this thing. Why? It was at the golf course. It was a lovely spread they put on, and then they talked. So my brother, my sister, my sister-in-law, mm-hmm. and yep. myself, four okay. of us went. And there I'm is still typing, but I'm trying. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity to eat. But for, <laughs> there... for our audience, I will try to chew away from the microphone. But you have yeah. some people do not want to look at. But you know what? It's uh-huh. very important. You know we've done a segment on this before, right? No, not not to, not this good though. This one's really good. I'm ready. What? Why? We've done a segment on this. On wills and estates? Yeah, you did a whole thing about dying and being prepared and all of it. Well, I think that was more the personal side of being ready for that kind of thing. No. It was the whole getting your affairs in order thing, yeah. Yeah, because my Um, mom has the death folder that she keeps saying every time she comes out. She's like, my folder's almost ready to bring you. See? Yeah, everything's in line. The death. But you know know what struck me is... um, how people don't a don't want to talk about it they don't want to talk about it and it really hit home like be, if you don't have a will and okay if we have if we have done this before that i'm repeating myself but i well, think it's worth repeating let's, myself. yeah let's do right. it i want to hear that repeat it. like there was a for like, everybody out there just push the fast forward button <laughs> <laughs> go on we unfortunately can't do that here, that, but you have the luxury of pushing the double arrow button i don't to the, to the right don't know 
every every state probably has laws and every country has their laws. But it, anyway, in the province of British Columbia, if you don't have a will, what they do, you die. And it doesn't just automatically go right away to the government. What happens is they search for the closest living relative. Now, Betty Jo next door could have taken good care of you, could have fed your dog, could have helped you to the doctor, could have done all these things, uh-huh. been kind to you, and your, none of your family came. You die. <laughs> Betty Jo doesn't matter. This person who loved and took care of you all this time gets nothing. They're going to find the third cousin removed. They're going to go through the search, and that third cousin removed who never gave a crap about you will get your stuff uh-huh. and your money yeah. because you didn't write a will. Okay. Right? Yep. Well, then, yeah. Uh-huh. So? So write a will? <laughs> I'm just saying write a will, and if you... Do you have a will? Yes. I do, and well, I made what it into a. What do they get? The pro- rose bushes, <laughs> the drain tiles, and the drill? No, I can. T- we make sure I'm not in this will. I put a rider in. I put a rider in for my dog. What is I, it? Okay, and oh, what happens? What, 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 a codicil. A what? Codicil. When you add okay. to your will. Got it. That if something happens that I that goes to the woman that's taking care of her, and five thousand dollars. Does that woman know this? <laughs> I think I've told her. Because <laughs> this, this broad is never even available when you come out here to watch the dog. You're, no, you no, get no. in at 10, you leave at 4 because there's no one to watch the dog. No, no, this is the long term. When we go on tour, this is the long term. Oh. This oh. is my friend that takes care of her. Okay. Out in the country. Got it. The gal that I have come in is the mm-hmm. older gal. Okay. That likes, she likes gambling money. So, so... <laughs> <laughs> So she likes it because I give her money in U.S. Because she likes to cross the border and gamble. So she takes care of me and sits with Millie. What? So then uh-huh. well, there was a question period. And it's just amazing how the... At, I don't have a trash bag anymore. You know why? Because that's my... The trash bag has become my bag because Janice stole my bag today. No, I didn't. I just came in and I said, wow, that is a really cool bag. And mm-hmm. then, you, As in, please give it to me. No, with I the puppy didn't. dog eyes. Now no. I don't have a bag. I said, that's a really cool bag. And you said, do you want it? And I was no, like, no, you took it. <laughs> you guilted me. I felt bad. And you took it. Okay, go on. This one lady yeah. said, what happens to my body? And she goes, when... I'm just saying, she thought that her body got... when You, you know when someone dies at home... Mm-hmm. She didn't know how you get, how your body gets to the funeral home. Okay. She thought that you were put in a bag, what like the a heck. Are I you... think she had a couple of drinks, but anyway, because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> there was drinking there. So what you want people to do at home is go to an estate planning seminar. Well, I think if people offer these seminars and they put on a fine spread, you should go. You should go because there's information and the, the duties of executors, the, the the power of attorneys, all that stuff. Like if you're going to give someone the power of attorney, you make sure they don't take off with the dough. I'm a power of attorney for my for my for my dad. Well, like, now we know where the five thousand for the dogs <laughs> coming from. I have some savings. I doubt it. Not on what we paid. <laughs> no, from before. <laughs> there was a before before me. There was a before you. All right. Anyway, I, I just about understanding probate when things go into probate, and you know, like that. There's, you just have to be careful that you know if you're going to put someone in charge that they make sure you take care of you. Like you're not just. 
you know, like when you start kind of going, you know, sticking baloney on your forehead and losing it, okay. you know, that that person's going to make sure you're cared for and they don't, you know, heading off to Disneyland. My mom doesn't trust me with this. She's already got her home picked out and everything. She's like, well, I don't want you to have to take care of me. I'm like, you don't, you don't want me to take care of you? No, I don't want you to have to take care of me. You don't want me to take care of you. No, that's not what I said. I said I don't want you to have to take care of me. So she, but she took care of things. Yeah, everyone. I mean, yes, we've done this before. Well, mm. and you did it pretty good the first time. <laughs> I thought. Well, I just, I guess, because we just went to the seminar and there's all this. But it is no, it is important. And look. It is obviously very important, and I, you know, as we all experienced in this room, I had a health scare recently, and all I could think about were the kids and making sure that everything was taken care of. But I, but I have taken care of it simply because I have, because I know to take care of it and make sure that I have a living trust, and all these lawyers took care of it. But um, I. I Janice many right. people don't. Little, many right. people exactly. don't. So I would say the majority of people do so not. So how would they figure out how to find one of these things? Do you have any sort of usable takeaway here? Or? Well, I mean, how would they find one of these seminars? Well, I, don't, I guess you would look. You would phone your local funeral home, see if they put it on. I mean, I know the funeral home was drumming up business too. You know, here's a nice dinner. <laughs> Give your body <laughs> to us. Uh, what about one of those legal sites too? You know what? Any any lawyer or notary public can do your will for you. Yeah. Right. There the, you, the, go. you know they can do your will for you. Yeah. You just got to you know and 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 seriously, sometimes it doesn't have to be all that formal. It can be as long as it's witnessed and it's legible and you were of sound mind when you did it. But Ooh. anyway, I'm just it's just I would I guess what what shocked me I was surprised at the naivete of of some of the pe- some of the questions. Interesting. I was just all like, right. wow, okay. really? Like. I, I, it's just because we don't want to look at it. I think we want to. Just, it's one of those things you want to put blinders up. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, back to your texting. Well, since Janice has made this whole podcast about death. I just want to to remind to, to make a will. That's okay. all. Well, anyway, so let me no. see if I can pick this sucker up a bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I I actually read a book, Glimpsing Heaven, and it's by Judy Backrack. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And uh, I came across it randomly and uh, had decided to kind of read it. And it's about she doesn't call them near death experiences because she they are actually death experiences. The individual that oh. physically dies mm-hmm. and comes back to life. Yep. And she talks about more and more how with advancements of modern medicine, it's like the, quote, time of Lazarus. Like, they're literally able to bring people back to life from the dead. So she uh, she's a journalist. She was afraid of dying, like I think we all are. And her mother had Alzheimer's, which you might find fairly interesting, Janice. And she interviews, um, you know, uh, uh, gosh, uh, people who've had the experiences, mm-hmm. um, doctors who've who've had patients who've had them, um, also people who take care of people who are dying. Yep. Palliative. But what I found so fascinating mm-hmm. about this uh, is that despite the fact that there are obvious differences, there are a tremendous 
amount of similarities. So, and there's a thing called the Grayson scale created by a guy named Bruce Grayson. And he was a professor and a psychiatrist and he developed the scale to measure. I'm reading off of this website. Uh, he developed this scale to measure the depth of an individual's near death experience. So here's a copy of the scale. So the, the thing is so many people had all almost all of these different things on the scale. So number one, did time seem to speed up or slow down? Number two, were your thoughts speeded up? Number three, did scenes from your past come back to you? Number four, and he has different answers. It could be no, I remembered many past events. My past flashed before me out of my control. So like there's different answers that you can choose from. Did you suddenly seem to understand everything? Uh, do oh, you, interesting. Yeah. Did you have? I've read a bunch of different books about this too, which is kind of interesting. Did you have a feeling of peace or pleasantness? Did you have a feeling of joy? Did you feel a sense of harmony or unity with the universe? Did you see or feel surrounded by a brilliant light? Were your senses more vivid than usual? Did you seem to be aware of things going on elsewhere? So, for example, uh, one guy got struck by lightning. Mm -hmm. He picked up the telephone, and lightning struck the building, and it came through the phone and killed him. And he wanted to see his kids one last time. Well, when he was resuscitated, he asked his wife, are the kids getting their faces painted at this time? And they were. And there's a ton of those different kinds of scenarios, like people who are in uh, an operating room and they know the music that was playing when they were operating on them. And they saw their bodies from up yes, above I've and things that like that. And, times. Um, so there's, there's many different instances of that. Uh, Okay, did scenes from the future come to you? Did you feel separated from your body? As in, you know, were you floating mm -hmm. up above your body? Did you witness your body from down below? Did you seem to enter some other unearthly world? Did you encounter a mystical being or presence or hear an unidentifiable voice? Now, the interesting thing is, like, I find this fascinating. One kid uh, who, they made a movie about this kid um, with Greg Kinnear. And, oh, gosh, I can't remember. I know the one oh, recently. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, but it was a book, too. And the kids saw Jesus, but his dad was a preacher. Well, Carl Jung, who's one of the fathers of modern modern psychotherapy, he died and came back, and he saw, I believe, I'm trying to remember, but it was like a, a priest outside of a temple. Another woman saw a monk. Another woman saw a bunch of talking triangles. Another. So it seems as though this mystical being or presence, from what I can tell from these stories, manifests in a form that you're you feel safe yes. or comfortable with. Yep. Uh, so although it's different, you might go, well, no, she didn't see Jesus, but it's still the same kind of entity. Uh, another one, did you come to a border or a point of no return? And in a lot of these stories, like they weren't allowed to kind of go beyond. So like Carl Jung wanted to go into the temple and they wouldn't let him go into the temple. Okay. Um, or they won't let you pass into the light. They're like, when you go in the light, you can't come back and you have to come back. Uh, and so anyway, there's these scorings and... I, I'm a bit of a skeptic. I'll be honest. I just, I am. My nature is is to be a bit of a skeptic. I like evidence. I believe in, in evidence, uh, which is why I try to understand the science of the universe so much, because when I look for God, I don't find God in a, in a place of worship, like a church or a synagogue. For me, I look around and, and in nature, I, I see God. And in, in, uh, when I, when I listen to these amazing cosmologists speak about the vastness of the universe and the way the universe works and how incredibly meticulous it is to me. I'm like, well, for goodness sake, there's got, there's got to be <laughs> the chances of this place existing the way that it does and allowing for life is one in a 
gazillion, quite literally. So to me, that's where I go, okay, that's interesting. I believe there's got to be something more. With this, these death experiences, as this woman mm-hmm. says, there are so many similarities from so many different individuals from all over the world, all different religions, all different ages, uh, different ethnicities, different gender, of course. There are so many similarities that I just was like, there's, there's just got to be something to this. And one of the interesting things they talked about is that they don't speak with their mouth. They comprehend. They just comprehend. So you may ask a mm. question and you comprehend it. And I will say that I had one of the only interesting things in this realm that's ever happened to me. My, I was very close with my grandmother. I'm not sure if we talked about this on the show. When you, when you talked, when you saw her? In a dream. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, uh, so uh, to recap, if you didn't hear it, I was very, very close to my grandmother. She died when I was 10. We had this agreement, you know, okay, if you can come back, come back. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I just was like, well, you know, this is, this is it. There's no coming back. And when I was 27, I didn't even dream about her. And I even commented about the fact that I, she was never even in my dreams. At 27, I had this extremely vivid dream and, um, she was in my mom's home and I saw her and I knew it was her and I became hysterical. And when she spoke to me, she didn't speak. I could hear her thoughts. And she had actually oh, interesting. taught me, which is the, exactly what they say happens. And she had hmm. actually taught me more. I remember us. I know that we had had a long conversation, but I came back with only one piece of knowledge. And I called my mom. It was four in the morning. I called my mom hysterical crying. I was like, I saw grandma. And she left me with this. This is what I could remember. It's basically she was like, you know, she was trying to give me peace. And she was like, we we see each other every day. Like, I'm I'm always with you. Don't ever think that I'm not with you. I'm always with you. And I was 27. I was going through a really hard time. I knew I was never going to see her again. And in 13 years, I've never had another dream about her. But... What I found so fascinating is that these guys talk or the individuals that die often talk about, oh, I, you know, it was all explained to me, but I, it made all this sense, but they come back and they can't, they don't remember exactly what it was, which is interesting because I remember we had had a whole talk, but when I came back, I could only remember this one sort of like, hey, here you go. This is what I'm going to leave you with. And she didn't speak to me with her mouth. She, I could hear her thoughts, Mm -hmm. um, in the dream anyway. So just for me personally, I bring this up because, you know, no matter what your religion, uh, it just, it brought me a lot of peace. It brought me a tremendous amount of peace. I think we all fear death. How could you not? You know, see, I don't. Oh, see, I do. I do. I don't. Um, that, and that's my epiphany of that I've had recently because I saw um, that Greg, I think it was that heaven is for real. Yeah, that's it. Heaven is for real. Um, I wasn't a great movie, mind you. So read the book. The book is better. Um, I watched uh, on PBS, it was um, uh, Richard Gere um, narrated it. It was called The Buddha. Ah. Um, and it was all about the, the and, and you know how sometimes just there's one sentence that's said and you go, and you just have that overwhelming, just go, oh my God. Epiphany, the, yeah. You have this thing. And, yeah. And this one uh, scientist or theologian said, um, we're really, the, how Buddha looks at our life is that this is just high school. This is just junior high. Right. Till we get, because they are firm believers in reincarnate, you know what I mean? The next yeah. life, the next life. And I just thought, and I just had this feeling like, you know what, Janice, if you don't get it right this time, oh, God. it's okay. Ram Dass, uh, who was a big spiritual leader, had, had this great analogy. And he said, imagine the world's biggest mountain and 
he goes, take a bird and put a, a scarf in the bird's mouth. And as many times as the bird has to fly back and forth over the mountain with the scarf in order to wear it away is as many times as you'll be born and die. Yeah, I, I mean, I, but I don't, I don't, you know, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, maybe you see unity among uh, people and as many times as life is born and dies on the planet. No, but I, I'm now more so than ever believing in reincarnation. Oh, interesting. More so. And, and, okay. and, and I do believe there's old souls. I, you know, you know, when you run into somebody and they've just got this, you just know they're an old soul. Interesting. Okay. I, I just, I believe that. So I, it just gave me this incredible amount of peace that what I don't get done now Maybe the next time I'll get oh, it done. And, and as I say, and I don't know how I'll come back. I don't know if it's gonna, as an animal, as another human being. Or, as a bird. And it, I, to me, I look at it, I'm like, you know how many other forms of life there are in the universe, for goodness this sake. Is true. This so is true. So it's like, come on now. You know, and that's just this universe. Like, they've done incredible. Like, have you seen? Oh, shoot. Now i got to find it again. You keep talking. I'll look for this. Well, I'll <laughs> just ignore you. But the audience won't. <laughs> it's called the Drake Equation. So listen to this. This is fascinating. So all these these brilliant cosmologists came up with something called the Drake Equation. And it essentially looks at all these different factors that try to guesstimate at how many other forms of life currently exist in only our galaxy. Ready? So how cool is this? Here are the different parts of the equation. The average rate of star formation in our galaxy. A fraction of those stars that have planets the average number of planets that can potentially support life per star that has planets. Because, for example, in our solar system, what do we have, nine planets? Oh, you're uh, getting uh, kind of heady on me. Yep, they, I just wanted to come back. They gave us Pluto back. back. Oh, they did? So how they, many do we have now? Nine? Nine. Oh, right. I just want to come back as maybe a cow. But anyway, no, go ahead. No, you might come back as like an alien. So, Oh, oh, I see where you're going with this. Edna. Well, the, I just I got confused. This is significant. All you right. might come back as an alien. Because if you think about it, just think about all the other forms of life that exist in the universe. So again, if you look at our just our solar system off of our one little sun, and there are billions and billions of stars in just our galaxy, Earth is what is what in what's called the Goldilocks zone, meaning not too hot, not too cold to be able to support life. The Goldilocks zone. Okay. Okay. So how many planets in this solar system can support life? The fractions of planets... The fraction of planets that the fraction of planets that could support life that actually develop at some point, because they have different theories about how life actually begins on these planets that are in the Goldilocks zone. The fraction of planets with life that actually go on to develop intelligent civilizations. So we're an intelligent civilization, right? Not just little amoebas running around. The fraction of civilizations that develop a technology. Uh, that releases detectable signs of their existence into space, the fraction of civilizations that can survive their own technology. And that's the one where pff, most civilizations that are intelligent can't survive their own technology. But, well, uh, that's... Uh, whew, I didn't know I was going to come back as an alien, but that's all right. It's possible. Well... Look at that. I mean, so, there's got to get life from somewhere. We're all in the same God's universe here. Okay. I mean, if you believe in God... God would have created the universe, I would imagine. I then. do believe in God. So then everything in the universe would belong to God. So he might send you back as like a ten-armed squid on the planet Zircon. <laughs> imagine what you could learn. Well, maybe I'll get laid. No, even then still no. But you I, got ten arms I, to I help yourself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> <Nothing laughs> <positive. laughs> 
There are so many people that come up to me and talk to me about how they've lost weight and how fitness is something that has transformed their lives. And you know what? I was in the same place. I was an overweight kid and fitness helped me change my life, not just my body. If this is something that you're thinking about, become a personal trainer with the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And guess what? You get paid to stay in shape and help others reach their fitness goals. Plus, these guys are going to guarantee that you'll land a job within 60 days of your certification or they're going to give you your money back. All you got to do is visit MyUSATrainer.com today and get started with your free 14-day sneak peek of our fast, fun online program at MyUSATrainer.com. That's MyUSATrainer.com. Okay. Are we ready? Yes. Yes, Jillian. We are here for uh, the Snappy Series Part 2. <laughs> okay. Again, I, I don't know how snappy it is, but if you missed, uh, if you've missed our uh, other segments in our series, here's what it's about. It's about uh, the way that our food, the way we consume food, the foods that we eat, the way our food is grown, the way we produce it, the way we go after it, how it's destroying our planet. And I appreciate it's a little scary, it's a little intimidating, it's a little overwhelming, but we're solution-based here, and the whole point is to give people the information, but then tell them how to use the information so that we can make a difference. Right. So today's segment on the subject matter is about our oceans, and we are destroying them. And this is a big deal. So <laughs> here's why it's a big deal. Food. Here's the thing. When we, when we look at this, while well, we think, oh, you know, oh, whatever, I don't care about the sharks, or you don't care about the seals, or you don't care about whatever, maybe you don't, okay, fine, but the problem is... The food thing, that's going to be a big problem. We're, we're running out of food. So so hopefully you, you do care about nature and the ocean and what have you. But if you don't and you've got other problems that you think are more important, the food thing, that's that's an issue. It's an issue. So uh, this, this one's actually very twofold because, well, most of them are. They're all twofold. They pertain. It's a closed system, but it, it, what destroys the environment destroys our health. So here's the deal. Here's the issue with the oceans. Uh, the first one is we've got, well, this is not not in pri- order of priority, mind you, uh, just in, in order of how I'm going to list them, are dead zones. Uh, Ted Danson wrote an incredible book about this. I believe, I believe it's called just Oceans. Uh, so dead zones, these are areas of the ocean where there is no life but freaking jellyfish. And you can see these freaking dead zones from space, man. They're, they're serious. They go on for thousands and thousands of miles in all over the world. At the mouth of uh, where rivers hit the ocean. And what's happening is that these extreme chemical fertilizers that are being sprayed on crops, predominantly genetically engineered crops. And the reason that people are needing these hardcore chemical fertilizers, like miracle Grow, for example, is because the soil's dead. And the soil's dead because they're planting only genetically engineered crops, and of course they're using all these pesticides. So in order to make the plants grow, they're spraying all these chemical fertilizers on them. Well, the fertilizers are then running off into the ocean, being consumed by plankton and other little amoeba, whatever. And it's creating something called uh, either hypoxia or apoxia. Forgive me, I'm not a marine biologist. This is just me reading... uh, um, seeing different TED Talks on the matter and um, also the Monterey Bay Aquarium website yep. and, uh, and what have you. So it's suffocating because these things are growing out of control. They're suffocating all the marine life for thousands of miles, hence the term dead zone, and that you've got these... The, the only thing that can survive it is jellyfish. 
And then you've got this crazy boom of jellyfish, and it's it's a huge problem. So that's problem number one. Um, obviously, the way that we're fishing is destroying the ocean. So it's everything yeah, from yeah. gill netting, which is killing yeah. dolphins, seals, sharks, whales are getting caught up in this, um, to long-lining, pole trolling. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Dredging. Uh, where they will literally, this, this destroyed me. I was watching a TED talk and I, you know, I keep getting this place where I'm like, all right, okay, okay. I got to be more ethical with my food. I got to be more ethical with my food. And I feel like I get how hard it is for, for people to do that, but I, I have enough, uh, financial resource that I, I can be more ethical with my food. And I am like, I'm just going to eat seafood. <laughs> oh God. And then it's seafood and grass-fed beef, right? So now I'm watching this guy who's a photojournalist for Nat Geo, an underwater photojournalist, and he gives a TED Talk, and I cannot, forgive me, cannot remember his name. Um, and he, he does this whole thing on the oceans, and he, he goes, so for, and I think shrimp, you know, come on, a shrimp, right? That mm-hmm. should be fine. They dredge for miles and miles the ocean floor, and he's got pictures, right? Of he, they bring up this huge dredge. There are eight shrimp and hundreds, hundreds of dead animals. Sand sharks, seahorse, just devastated coral. Like they're destroying, destroying in marine vi- environments, right? Coral reefs, everything are all being destroyed by these fishing practices. And all for eight shrimp, one shrimp dinner. And he's got this image where he's he's in the ocean and they're dumping out these dead creatures and it's just all of these carcasses just floating to the bottom and I was like, oh my god, serve no purpose to them. I can't yeah. handle it. I was like, I can't eat anything. We're gonna starve, and it, it just it was so overwhelming. And so it, the list goes on and on and on. But basically, you know, we're killing the whales, we're killing the shark. It, it's a it's a big, 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 big gigantic problem the health of our oceans is an extremely big deal so guess what yay there are things we can do so the first one when it comes to your produce uh try not to purchase things that have been sprayed do not use miracle grow in your home uh on your on your plants don't use these these hardcore chemical fertilizers use natural compost uh the next one is when you purchase, purchase from a local farmer's market and ask them if they use these chemical fertilizers on their produce. Uh, another one is, this is super simple. I like this a lot. You simply go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium website and they've got an app for your area. And they'll tell you, because then you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to eat farmed salmon because the fish get antibiotics and they're fed genetically engineered corn and they've got all kinds of artificial color. I'm not supposed to eat this. This is bad for me. Oh, but wait, I am supposed to eat farmed fish. And it's really confusing. There's an app. It makes it so simple. You download it. It's on the Monterey Bay Aquarium site. And it'll be specific to your area. And it's going to tell you what's healthy for you and what's safe for the environment so you can make better food choices. And in addition... Uh, when you go to a restaurant or you go to, um, let's say, uh, uh, your your uh, fish market mm-hmm. at the supermarket, ask them, do you have, you know, environmentally safe, do you serve sustainable seafood? And the reason you're asking is because you're showing them there's a demand for it. Hmm, and that's point. really important. So 
we we place as a consumer we play a really important role obviously in in helping to save the ocean so letting people know that this matters that we care that we're paying attention you ask these questions and so here it is it's use our app and you literally go to www.seafoodwatch.org forward slash ocean dash issues forward slash wild dash seafood which is a heck of a lot just go to Monterey Bay yeah. Seafood Watch. And it says use our app. It's for Android. It's for iPhone. And it gives you their up-to-date recommendations for ocean-friendly seafood and sushi. And remember, this is also about your health as well. What's safer for your health? Uh, be it farmed, be it ocean caucus. There's mercury. Now there's, you know, all the fish in Japan have radiation. It's a whole situation. Well, yeah, there, there aren't some places adding, like, pinkness to the salmon to make oh, it yeah. look pinker oh heck like, yeah yes how oh yeah bizarre is that yeah no it's a huge deal so like o- salmon you want ocean caught shrimp you want farmed and uh, so again yeah. not to bore the, the snot out of you with this these details but there is a lot you can the issue's big and there's a lot we can do of course share the information with your loved ones and the more involved we can get the more we can kind of do the reach one teach one thing the, the better it's going to be. And the cool thing about this is that, yes, an ocean-caught salmon is going to cost you a lot more than farmed salmon. But that's a health matter, not a necessarily yeah. an ocean matter. Um, but a shrimp dinner that's farmed versus ocean-caught, it's not. It, this isn't going to be a, a cost issue. It's not going to cost you more to not use miracle Grow and things of that nature. So be mindful. And a great book, if you are if you want to learn more about this, um, Ted Danson's book, Oceans, is is really a terrifying but incredible read cool Uh, so i recommend it actually we're not going to take a call today because jake has a question get excited manis is this another love doctor though you big mess no oh what is it so um, yesterday, actually, uh, I started to exercise again. You go in and out of this. It's I, fascinating. I do. And it's, this is the reason why I go in and out of it. And here, um, I would like you to help me out with this. Okay. So I haven't really exercised. I mean, I'm an active person. I lead an active lifestyle, but I mm-hmm. haven't you know, lifted weights or done any push-ups and sit-ups for a couple months. Okay. So yesterday I said... I. I'm going to start doing it. So I do 101 push-ups and 101 sit-ups, and I was satisfied. Um, <laughs> I felt good. I was like, I'm starting off somewhere. Okay. Okay. Today, my chest is extremely store, sore. Okay. And my abs are really sore as well. Um, and now I'm kind of discouraged. I don't want to go back and do the same thing again today. Also, if you're going to tell me to do a different exercise. I am. I only care. I'm, I'm going for the aesthetic muscles here. I'm not going for the whole uh, the whole package. <laughs> okay, I get it. I I appreciate that the beach muscles that makes sense. But but honey, you still have legs. You're gonna wear shorts at some point. You're gonna be in the sack at another point. Like, and it, honestly, for balance, for the sake of balance, if you're just working out your chest and not your back, you're gonna do some real damage to your posture because you make your chest really tight and your back gets really weak. You're pulling your shoulders forward. And that's gonna throw off your whole posture, mess up your neck. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta do back. You just have to. You have to balance the body because even if you're thinking about aesthetic, you're gonna destroy your your posture. You're gonna pull those shoulders forward. That's not gonna look great anyway. And guys, guys want big wings, a nice broad back. Yeah. Guys want that. They want good thick legs. So I am gonna tell you that. I'm gonna tell you 
that the way you structure a workout can help with soreness. And this is why I'm a big fan of muscle splits. Um, God, I remember no one wants to hear me say, no one wants to hear me go on about CrossFit, but I, I was, because I keep trying to understand <laughs> what I am missing. I keep thinking I must be missing something. And I was watching, um, I think his name is Greg Glassman, right? I was like, I really want to understand this. I'm, I've got to be missing something. And he was talking about how in CrossFit, they have, uh, I believe it's called randomized intensity, right? He's like, well, I, I do away with muscle splits, and that's so old school, and you know, you need to be able to work every muscle on every at any given moment. And I thought, well, that's what you're saying is absurd, because muscle splits are about recovery, and I, I think that this could very possibly be why there's a lot of rhabdomyolysis um, in CrossFit. Who? Uh, it's called Uncle Rabdo. Um, it's oh. essentially when the muscle breaks down. We had a. a, 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 a a collar that got wrapped yeah, 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 from yeah. CrossFit, uh, but but any or, or since so many injuries. So when you're structuring your workouts into splits, it's just because you work your back on, let's say Mondays and Thursdays. Doesn't mean that if you needed to use your back and do a pull up on a Friday, you couldn't. That concept is absurd. And the idea of a muscle split is recovery. You want to optimize your recovery because if exercise is going to be the architect, recovery is going to be the builder. So working out is stress. You're, you're injuring yourself quite literally and hopefully not to an extreme degree where you get a strain or, you know, you, but you're creating little micro tears in that muscle when you train it. And so the recovery is when the body heals the muscle, it adapts, it becomes stronger and quite literally leaner and more fit and better able to perform the next workout. It's, it's called a stress adaptation response. So what you would do, this is my favorite split, although there are different splits for different things. So if you, I'm an expert in weight loss. So when I talk about fitness, I want you to think about fitness like, let's say, law or medicine. I believe there are subspecialties. You're not going to go to a family lawyer for criminal law. Well, I'm an expert in weight loss. If you came to me and said, hey, Jill, I need to put on 20 pounds, I'm, you know, I'm versed in it. I'm like, all right, you know, here's the generalities of what we should do here. You know, I'm heavier weight and I, these supplements, but somebody who specializes in putting weight on a body is very different than somebody who specializes in taking fat off of body. They just, they just are. They're different animals completely. So for me, but nevertheless, the rule is going to remain the same. Train a muscle twice a week and allow two days of rest in between training because optimal recovery is 48 hours and study all the prominent studies will show you 48 hours is an optimal recovery time. And in addition, training that muscle group in intensely, mind you. So for example, if you're doing a workout DVD, all right, you're hitting every muscle in the body and you're getting a good burn in 30 minutes, but you're not sitting there like going raw chest, you know, it's, it's different. Right. And if a person has limited time and they take a class, then you go, all right, you know, let's try to hit every muscle in the body and let's not overwork something. But if you have more time and you are going to the gym four times a week and you are really focused on building a body, especially as a guy, this is where I believe that splits are really, really important to optimize recovery. So in your particular instance, let's say you did push muscles uh, twice a week, chest, shoulders, triceps, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you broke it down and said, I'm going to do obliques. And then the next day you did pull muscles like back and biceps and you said, I'm going to do upper and lower abs. And yeah, you, you the muscles do have uh, – some of them will have the same origin and the same insertion. The bottom line is 
you can't always, if you're doing legs, you know, you're doing a squat, you're going to hit, you know, you're going to hit glutes, you're going to hit quads. Right. So you can't completely split the lower body up. But let's say you put legs on one day because you want to get bigger and then you did chest and back on another day. That might be a good split for you. So you do legs because you also want to get bigger. So you do legs on Monday, Thursday, and you do chest and back on Tuesday, Friday. And this way you get that recovery time. And that's that's honestly how you would want to do it. Okay. Recovery. Recovery is key. What if you can't recover, though? What if you're in a program where it's like uh, like a four-week program and you're in there every day doing this program? What is the, but the uh, an intelligent program yeah, true. would account for that? So, yeah, for example, gotcha. like yeah. when I create an actual program like Body Revolution or the new one that's coming out, Body Shred, yeah. I split it on purpose. So there's there's no way. I have, like my days are split on purpose and they're only 30-minute workouts. So I'm like, oh, even if there is overlap, like you will be sore. But let's, again, on Monday and Thursday, I'll have you doing your push muscles and on Tuesday and Friday, I have right. you doing your pull muscles, your back, your biceps, you know, and I do get lower body. Like I try to split it. Like okay, I try to do quads, quad focused on Monday, Thursday, and then I try to do like glute and ham focused. And there is crossover with legs. Again, you do a lunge, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna hit multiple muscle groups in yep. the lower body with a lunge or a squat. But you know, where I will try to isolate those muscles or be quad focused is on Monday and Thursday, and I I do it to optimize recovery. Okay. So a, a smart a smart program is going to take that into account. That's why I don't do yoga more than twice a week even because yeah. it's very push focused. Mm-hmm. It's very chest shoulders try chaturanga, up dog, down dog like yeah, you know, but there's not a ton of the biceps, there's not a ton of hamstrings in yoga. There's just not a good teacher will find a way to help you activate those muscles, but there's not a ton of it. A lot of push. Chaturanga, plank, up dog, down dog. Warrior, a lot of quads. Yeah. You know, warrior, a lot of quads. Crescent pose, a lot of quads. Chair pose, a lot of quads. Not, not, no hamstring in there. You're not mm. pulling your heel to your bum in any of those poses. Yeah. You know, so it's just, with something like that, like I'll do yoga twice a week and I'll split it up by a couple of days. Mm. Like, again, if I did CrossFit, I would do it twice a week and I would split it up. Mm-hmm. That's how I would do it. That's when I look at it, I look at it like that. I take it and I, I would work it into a more holistic program where I go, okay, you know, cause again, here's another problem. If you get into a, like a lot of these different exercise modalities that are hot and again, I love yoga. So I, and I could compare a lot of things as crazy as this sounds in yoga to CrossFit where I think there's a lot of repetitive exercises like in, in yoga. I, when I look at CrossFit, I see like 30 different exercises. I see like a lot of the same stuff that they do. And I, I mean, I'm like, you're doing the same thing over and over and over for time. So even still like split it up like yoga. It's a lot of the same, a lot of the same, you know, asanas and salutations. It's a lot of the same exercises. Yeah, and They make you breathe. All Not the time. to time, but, but it's the same kind of thing. Like if you're going to do those, I, I personally would say twice a week and split it up. And then engage in other – so, like, I would even take different if, – if that's how you're going to train, I would even take something like yoga that's very <sighs> stability, uh, flexibility, strength, 
and blend it with something like CrossFit that's very like power. Uh, you know, it's, I think that uh, speed, obviously, where you're mixing the modalities of fitness. That's how I would utilize those types of workouts. I would blend them in with absolute opposite types of workouts mm-hmm. and separate the workouts so the body has a chance to recover and get more variety in its in the workout regimen. Very good. There you go. All right. Well, what I got out of that was I can't half-ass it. Got a whole asset. Whole asset, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so go do your back today. Maybe I will. All right. All right. Thank you. Anytime. listening to comedy try watching it on the internet the folks behind the sideshow network have launched a new youtube channel called wait for it it's got interviews with comedians like reggie watts todd glass liza schleisinger slicing driving friends with her for 10 years one of the funniest people out there and i still have a hard time with the last name liza our very own owen benjamin that's me takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more you don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. <laughs>